Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you again this morning. I appreciate Scott bringing that out for me. I was wondering if he was going to. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We did. Um, got to visit with some family, and uh, my mom is in a nursing facility just north of Akron, so we got to visit with her the day after. And I was thinking about the sermon that I should preach the day, you know, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I thought, you know, maybe gluttony would be a good thing to preach on. But that just flew right on by, okay? Because I'd have to spend about 10 minutes in the confessional box myself. But I thought, you know, after uh, Thanksgiving is what I want us to take a look at. There's always an event that we plan for, prepare for, stress over. That's what we talked about last week. And then Thanksgiving happens. But what about the after? And so after an event, there are things that you think about and, and you reflect upon. And so that's what I wanted to do today is just kind of go back to, uh, to some of, of our lives and some of the things we planned for. Now, after the event, what happens? And the passage of Scripture that came to mind for me is in the last chapter of the book of John. If you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn with me there. Uh, we'll be in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15 in just a little bit. But I wanted to bring to you Peter and kind of give you an idea of what he has gone through. They've geared up for this triumphal entry. They're now in the town, and Jesus has now just visited with them the Last Supper. He's told them some things that they didn't really want to hear. He said, someone here among you is going to betray me, and we all know that to be Judas. But they're all saying, oh, surely not me. Not me, Lord, not me. Peter's among them. That, that's not going to happen. In fact, Lord, if everybody else denies you, I won't. And then you know what happens out of that, right? The prophecy that comes through before the rooster crows in the morning, Peter, hate to tell you this, but you're going to deny me three times. They walk out and they go to the garden and Jesus takes Peter and James and John and says, I, I need you to come aside and I need you to pray for me because what I'm going to be going through, I need your support. I need your prayers. And you know what happens there. He goes off and he prays just a little distance from them, comes back, finds them asleep. Could you not pray with me for an hour? Goes back, comes back again, asleep again. A third time comes back. They are exhausted. They are so tired and, and they've been through the Last Supper. They don't know what's going to be happening. And then all of a sudden it begins to happen. The soldiers are there and and Peter then takes the sword that he has and slices for the head, just misses, catches an ear. It falls to the ground. It's Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And Jesus picks it up, puts the ear back on the guy's head. And Peter doesn't know what to do. The disciples all run. Jesus is now going through some court proceedings, uh, totally against the law, because they're not supposed to do this at nighttime. And, and it's very early in the morning, late at night, whatever you want to call it. And Peter has worked his way inside the gate, and he's now by the fire. He's kind of watching and listening to the court proceedings that are going on. And somebody says, weren't you with Jesus? Not, not me. A little bit later, you're one of his, dis not me. That's, that's not me. And then the third time it happens. 
And the scriptures say that he let out an oath. He's cursing. And he says, that is not me. I never knew him. At that point in time, the rooster crows. And he knows. And he looks across the courtyard, and the scriptures tell us that Jesus could see him. And they lock eyes. And I imagine at that point in time, Jesus had such a compassionate look. Peter, I knew you were going to do this. But there's more to you than this. And, and Jesus knows, because when he prophesied that he would deny him, he also said, and when you come back, strengthen your brothers. He knew that Peter would need to come back, he'd need to be forgiven, and then he would be a leader once again. He, Jesus knew all this. Peter is just now finding out what he's talking about. He's exhausted. He's denied his Lord. He goes to the cross. He watches this. He's in the tomb. He then rises from the dead on Sunday. And I love this part. But the first person that Jesus reveals himself to after he has been in the tomb is not one of the disciples. It's Mary. And it's not the mother of. It's not the, the sister of Lazarus and, and Martha. It's Mary, out of whom he has cast seven demons. And he shows himself to her. And the ladies are all told, you go back to disciples and you tell them what's happened. And then especially, and you catch this in the scriptures, you go back, tell the disciples and Peter, singles him out, what you've seen. Disciples don't believe it. They run to the tomb. They try to figure out what's going on. But, and the scriptures tell us it was just too good to be true. That's why they did not believe for amazement. That's what the scripture says. It was just too good to be true. After the resurrection of Jesus, he then appears to his disciples in different occasions. And this is the one we're going to pick up on this morning. It's found in John chapter 21. He's up at the Sea of Galilee. And he has caught them fishing. He has the fire going. He has a meal for them ready. They come. They're talking about all kinds of things. And then we look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. I want you to notice what he calls him. He calls him Simon, son of John. Now, when Jesus first met Peter, that was his name. And he calls him Simon, son of John. And then he changes his name to Peter, which means the rock. You're going to be somebody that we can depend on. Somebody that's going to be that leader. Somebody that, that we'll be looking up to and, and help with this kingdom on earth. I change your name. And he doesn't use Simon, son of John, again for three and a half years until now. Simon, son of John. I wonder why. I think it's because of what he's trying to do with Peter and bringing him back is to remind him he is nothing more than flesh and blood. And he'll blow it just like we do. 
You know, the part that I love in James, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. And the first time I read through that, I'm going, no, he wasn't. He was not a man just like me. He raised the dead. He called down fire from heaven. He had all these. He's not. Oh, yes, he is. It wasn't Elijah that did those things. It was God that did them through Elijah, right? And so Elijah was a man just like us. Peter was a man just like us. And Peter needed to realize that he's flesh and blood, and he's going to mess it up sometimes. But our God is a God of second chances. And so he brings him back, and he restores him in, in this kind of way. Simon, son of John, do you love me more? And he goes, you know I love you. If you've been through this passage before you've studied it, heard a sermon on it, you realize there are two different words that are used for the word love here. Jesus says, do you love me, agape, love me? The word agape means do you love me regardless? And, and it's the same word that would be used of I love anybody, everybody, does not matter what they have done, what needs forgiven, and, and we even love our enemies with this kind of love that goes beyond circumstances, and we love like God would love. That's the agape love. We would love a person so that then, as Jesus said, we can pray for our enemies, but we got to love them first. And the only way to do that is to gain the perspective of God. And I can love my enemies. Now I can pray for them. That's agape love. It's not the word that Peter uses. Peter says, I phileo love you. And what that means is, I love you like a brother. It speaks to relationship. It speaks to a warmth of the heart, not just because this is the right thing to do, but we have a relationship that is like a brother to a brother. I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. I need you to be a leader again. I need you to watch for those who have just come into the faith. I need you to, to pick up on those who are young in the faith, and, and I need you to lead them. They're going to need you. And I don't know how much time develops between that time and the next time. It might be five minutes, it might be a half an hour. But I think that Peter's had some time to reflect. Verse 15, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Jesus answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I'll take care of my sheep. Not just those who are new in the faith, but those who are more mature. Every one of us needs to look to somebody else who's trying to do it right. And that might be you for somebody else, but you also need somebody else to encourage you. And I don't care how long you've been in the faith, you will be tempted. And we need to see those who are stronger and leaders. They're making it. I can do this too. And so feed my sheep. There's a time, I think, for Peter to reflect. I, I don't know how much time, but there's that reflection that happens. And after any event that happens, it's a good thing to reflect back on it, what went right, what didn't go so well, what do I do now, how do I do follow-up, all those kind of things uh, after an event that takes place. I um, have a son that has two daughters, and... Uh, one of them had a sixth 
grade band concert that I got to go to. How many of you love going to sixth grade band concerts? Uh, you've been there, done that. And some people actually love it, okay? I just love my granddaughter. <laughs> and that's why I'm there. And so my son and I are texting back and forth. And um, let's see what, uh, here it is. He says, uh, thanks for making it out tonight, Dad. I know that Audrey appreciated it. I responded back, absolutely. I love supporting my granddaughters, special kids. I know it's not easy, but you're doing a great job, Joel. He's going through a divorce, and it's hard. I think one of the hardest things a person can go through is being a single parent. It is hard. So I wanted to support him as well as the granddaughters. He then says, oh, thanks, Dad. Was lucky enough to have a good role model. I then responded, well, thanks. Sometimes I did good. Other times, I wish I could have had a do-over. Like most parents, probably. He says a, a lot more good than, dad, than bad. I'd say that's the best that any parent can hope for. It was just a nice exchange. But it kind of brought me to this reflection kind of thing. After being a parent, you look back and you go, you know what, I did a few things right. But I also blew some things. And I wish I had a do-over. I'm sure Peter wishes he had a do-over. We all do. We all go through things. And we go, why did I say that? I can't believe that came out. What am I thinking? What am I? We, we all do that. In golf, it's called a mulligan. And I love mulligans, don't you? It's just hard to get them in real life. But I think in reflection, parents, let your kids know that you know you blew it at times. Let them know. Let them know you did the best you could at the time, but even in that, you blew it. It's honesty. And it's setting a role for leadership, even as Peter now needed to be forgiven. And he knows what it is that he can forgive those around him. I think sometimes kids grow up holding on to things that parents didn't do right. And they blame parents for the rest of their lives for what they're doing now in their 30s and their 40s. And I'm going, why? When are you going to give up on that? Come on. Kids need to forgive parents. Parents need to forgive kids. And parents need to forgive themselves. I think the hardest thing is Peter just kind of looking inside and going, man, all of us, let yourself off the hook by asking God to forgive you and then ask your kids to forgive you. Just make sure that that path of forgiveness has been given. And then you, you cut that cord that can just withhold the love for the rest of the, the days. I think Peter's looking back reflecting on some of these things. And then verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt 
Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, one of these two guys changes the word for love. And I'll give you a hint, it wasn't Peter. It's Jesus who changed. I love this. Because Peter's saying, I phileo love you like a brother. And the third time, Jesus says, do you really love me like a brother? It's Jesus who changes. And Peter says, you know all things. You know I love you. I think the three denials and then the three confessions, that's what Jesus is allowing to take place. And then Peter gets to go on and gets to be the leader. He gets to preach on the day of Pentecost. He gets to then die for the Lord. And we're going to pick up on that for the rest of these verses. The next verse says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. You see, John is writing this about 60 years after Jesus. He's writing this maybe 30, 40 years after Peter. And so what he's saying is, I remember when Jesus said how you were going to die. Going to stretch out your arms. It's not recorded for us in Scripture, but tradition says that Peter also died on a cross. But he did not count himself worthy to die in the same way as his Lord. And so he asked them to put him upside down on the cross. They stretched out his arms, took him where he didn't want to go. He was saying this about the kind of death. And then he said, you follow me. But doggone it, if Peter doesn't kind of mess up again right away. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? Most probably this is the writer, John. And he's kind of couching his anonymity within this without trying to brag on himself. And, and this is the way they would say, that's me. Verse 23, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about John? <laughs> Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until he return, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did so many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have to be written. Ah, what a nice way of just saying, I couldn't put everything down. And a chapter before this, he says, these things am I writing unto you that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he's kind of adding to what Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already written down. I believe that we at times will kind of look at ourselves and go, man, what has God given for me to do? 
well, I, I think I reflect back on this, and, and Peter says, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. What about you? <laughs> I was leading a focus group a week and a half ago. It was in Cincinnati, and, and in my focus group um, were guys such as, do you know Bob Russell? Anybody know Bob Russell? Another name. He was down in Louisville, and the church got to over 20,000. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm leading his group. <laughs> Two Bible college presidents and some other pretty high-profile people. I'm leading this focus group. I'm thinking, he ought to be leading it, not me. But God had called me to do this because it, that's what I do right now. I'm in a leadership kind of group that's helping churches, leaders, and we had a focal, focal point we needed to work on. And what I started thinking about and praying about before we got together was that God has given me a certain amount of gifts. And he's given them gifts. And it's not up to me to what he does. It's up to me as to what I do. And too often we just compare ourselves with each other. And, man, that's one of the worst things we can do, right? It, it is. It really is. With five brothers in our family, we were always comparing and that is hard to stop. But the way that you do that is you recognize that God makes no mistakes. Would you agree with that? Okay, say that with me. God makes no mistakes. One more time. God makes no mistakes. Now look inside. Because God made me to be who he wanted me to be. Say that with me. God made me to be who he wanted me to be. One more time. God made me to be who he wanted me to be. Makes no mistakes. I am who he wanted me to be. I will glorify God with who I am. Say that with me. I will glorify God with who I am. I think that's the last lesson he leaves in this book of John. Good lesson for me, for you, as we depart we are the church that he has created. He makes no mistakes. You are an individual. Nobody else like you. You're not going to be accountable for the next guy. You're going to be accountable for what he gave you. And he made you to be just what he wanted. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Peter. I, I kind of on the human side of me, uh, thank you that he blew it. Because I know that I do too. But he reinstated Peter. He said, I still need you. Get back up. And as he reflects, he then can go forward even stronger than what he was before. Father, help us, each one of us, as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, to be so concerned about what you've given us to do that we just leave that doubt and we leave that part of comparison, just leave it in the dust. Help us to be what you've made us to be, I pray in Jesus' name.